Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks mix this morning as investors await word from the U.S. Federal Reserve on its plans to tighten monetary policy. Sydney trading up 1.3%. Seoul is in the red, though down nearly half a percent. Japan's markets close today for Culture Day. Joining me now as we break down all the market action and earnings news. How are you doing this Wednesday, Ryan Huang? Happy hump day, Michelle. That's sounding good and strong, Ryan. Let's start this morning with the world of banking and with two of the regions biggest banks, OCBC and UOB. Both financial institutions reported earnings just a little while ago before the markets open. So the third quarter was a profitable one for both banks. But tell us, which is doing better, UOB or OCBC? Okay, I would say both did well. And let's go with the numbers first. And let's take a look with OCBC's third quarter net profit and that beat expectations and we are looking at a 57% increase to $1.05 billion above the expected increase of 47%. And if you look at what happened with OCBC's number, it was up 19% to $1.22 billion, not as big as a jump of 57% which we saw from UOB, uh, but it also had a consensus beat which was expecting a 0.5% contraction. So its net profit though was at $1.22 billion, larger than what UOB had at $1.05 billion. So depending on which number you look at, UOB's 57% increase might be larger than 19%, but on absolute terms, OCBC is raking in more cash, um, all down to their relative sizes, of course. So different exposures, different markets, all uh, a part of play in the latest third quarter numbers. Ryan, the solid improvement in the bank's books would certainly seem to be a sign of how local and regional economies are improving. So tell us more specifically, what is powering these earnings? Okay, just to sum it up, you've got a rather similar picture for both OCBC and UOB in terms of what's driving. And this is coming through, let's look at what we have from UOB CEO, B.E. Chong. He is saying, despite the challenging macroeconomic backdrop with disruptions in global supply chains, a slowdown in China's economy, and COVID-19 resurging in many parts of the region, uh, it's still going quite strong based on a couple of things. And this is with healthy loan growth, sustained fee income, as well as lower credit allowance. It's a rather similar picture being echoed by OCBC CEO Helen Wong, and she is pointing out that the bank's results were resilient despite challenging conditions, and she is seeing momentum across the business from wealth management, insurance, uh, that is continuing to grow, reflected by loans, net new money, fee and insurance sales growth. So she is expecting asset quality to stabilize as the economic situation improves. So it's a very similar picture to what we saw from the US banks where they are looking at brighter prospects ahead and releasing the need for those earlier loan loss provisions for potential defaults and everything else. So not as bad as what they were buffering for. So that is lifting to some extent uh, their latest quarterly numbers. The results for both companies are better than expected, but tell us though, are there any soft spots or areas of concern for OCBC and UOB? 
Okay, so we do have a couple of things to watch out for. They have already highlighted the usual suspects when it comes to what's on the worry list. Uh, maybe one to watch would be what's happening if Great Eastern for OCBC and they announced their earnings yesterday and it was a 26% drop in net profit to $213 million and this is of course the insurance arm of OCBC and the main factor was how financial market conditions were not as favorable in the third quarter and that resulted in mark-to-market losses. So a bit of a drag when it comes to the insurance business for OCBC. So maybe one to watch in the coming quarters. In other financial news, UOB and OCBC are not the only banks reporting strong results. Standard Chartered's profits doubled in the third quarter thanks to booming trade in the finance business and fewer bad loans. What's the latest here? Okay, so we have not just the Singapore banks, also in focus, Standard Chartered. And this is where we are looking at also a rather good report card. Mm. Third quarter profit has doubled and they have also beat market forecasts. So let's look at the numbers. Uh, If you look at what happened between July to September, that period, they saw uh, revenue jumping to $996 million. Uh, That or excuse me, that's pre-tax profit, $996 million, uh, nearly doubling and also better than expected, $942 million uh, based on consensus forecast. And this is coming through from a couple of things. It's expecting credit impairment to remain at low levels in the fourth quarter, but it's still going to be quite vigilant um, because they are, in a way, more conservative about the outlook. And that actually disappointed shareholders who were hoping for more bullish outlook. And uh, they did not announce a share buyback, which was what some quarters of the community were looking out for. So that saw a share price actually um, suffer a bit of pressure after the earnings. All right. And from the UK, we come back to Singapore. We'll have more insight into the local and also the regional banking scene this Friday when DBS opens its books. Let's turn now to US stocks. The Dow, S&P 500 and NASDAQ, they all rose to record levels overnight and the Dow closed above 36,000 for the first time. Technology and healthcare stocks led the way, but the gains were pretty much across the board with the exception of a couple of retail companies. What is behind the buoyant mood on Wall Street? this week three nights in a row will they make it number four so it's really interesting to see how the corporate earnings have been lifting markets Uh, we thought it was priced in but apparently not Uh, it looks like the mood on wall street continues to push up markets higher so the dow was up around 140 points the s&p 500 and the nasdaq both up 0.3 percent so a rather broad-based gain across the board some of the standouts in terms of earnings uh, we've got pfizer up 4.1 percent and that saw its earnings top expectations it's also raising its 2021 revenue and earnings per share outlook under armor that athletic retailer also hiked his annual outlook. So investors liking the news, his share price up more than 16%. And another one that stands out will be DuPont, rallying 8.7% after beating both on the top and bottom lines. Estee Lauder, popping 4.7% on earnings and revenue that exceeded expectations. But worth noting, on the flip side, not everyone did well. Tesla... A bit of profit taking here, some investors being spooked and you've got the electric car maker dipping 3%. That's after a report that a car maker is recalling 
11,700 vehicles due to a communications error and a tweet from Elon Musk saying, hey, we did not actually sign a contract with rental giant Hertz after mm. all, at least not yet, for those 100,000 vehicles that Hertz supposedly would buy from Tesla to be part of his fleet. So not officially inked yet. So that really saw a bit of um, profit taking on the news. We'll see if expectations continue. Uh, buoyant expectations after this Thursday when uh, Chair Jerome Powell is expected to signal the pairing of that $120 million in monthly bond purchases. And we expect to see rates rise after that. One factor that could be boosting sentiment is that as earnings season continues to unfold, profit margins are holding up really well despite soaring commodity prices and supply chain issues. Now, one stock that did extremely well overnight is car rental company Avis Budget. Now, we mentioned on this show before how car rental prices in the US are up and how it can be quite difficult to book a rental car. Well, those issues don't seem to have affected Avis's business. In fact, its share price more more than doubled overnight. I don't see that very often for a major company. So what has sparked this incredible buying? Yeah, let's look at what's happened on the stock price, jumping nearly 108% to $185 plus plus. So in fact, it was trading in the store was halted multiple times and we are looking at basically earnings blowing away expectations. Mm. So it reported a very strong report card and we are looking at in terms of per share earnings $10.74 beating the consensus forecast of $4 or by more than $4. So a really strong beat on the forecast. Revenue also topped expectations and on top of that the Davis board has authorized an additional $1 billion in share buybacks. So a lot going for Avis budget. And I guess the outlook is pretty good because you've got the prospect of more travel and tourists going into the US and they'll need more rental cars. Hedge fund shorts are beating a hasty retreat from Hertz. All right. Let's look at uh, Avis' shares up as much as 200% during last night's session. They closed above 185 US dollars a share. The next soaring company I want to look at this morning, Ryan, with you is Bed Bath & Beyond. Have you ever been to one of their stores? I have not. What does it look like? Like an Ikea for those of us in love with bedding and bathing products. I am just imagining lots of people just slumping around the bits. <laughs> uh, Bed Bath & Beyond shares up 80% in after-hours trade. What is going on there? Yeah, it looks like it is getting quite a bit of attraction after a bunch of press releases that they sent out. And one of them is around the launch of a digital marketplace that will sell goods from third parties. And this is also in addition to a tie up with grocery chain Kroger and it also is announcing a stock buyback program ahead of schedule so it's really just rolling out the presses and making its PR department work over time so that seems to be a confluence of good news that is pushing up its stock price and on top of that I think you've got a bit of a short squeeze going on. Mm. Some hedge funds were betting against it and they have had to scramble to buy back their shares to cut their losses. 
Amongst the most heavily shorted stocks in the U.S., 27% of shares available for trading sold short. All right, I want to bring the discussion to two locally listed companies now, SPH and Eagle Hospitality Trust. We've been talking this week about those rival offers on the table from Keppel and a consortium led by Hotel Properties and Maple Tree to buy SPH's non-media assets. Now, we have fresh perspective this morning from the Securities Investors Association of Singapore on how shareholders view the bids. So what does CS think? Is it uh, issuing some caution? Are the offers good or not? Yeah, CS in essence is saying some of the shareholders are concerned that SPH, um, those offers uh, are still undervalued. And one of the metrics it's referring to is around NAV, net asset value. And based on those calculations, some shareholders approach CS to say, hey, the offers are currently below NAV. And this is at a NAV of 226 as of end of August this year before the media restructuring was completed. So taking into account that restructuring, it will then be 218. And if you adjust it for dividends, it will be 215. So mm. remember, the latest offers are around $2.10. So based on that, they feel it deserves to be sweetened. Mm. Time now for a quick game of up or down. Oh, wait, before that, let's look at Eagle Hospitality Trust because their plans to liquidate U.S. assets running into a snag. Regulators over in the U.S. say that Eagle Hospitality's plans are, quote, complex, convoluted and difficult to digest. I don't think we've ever heard regulators use that phrase before. Uh, Pretty serious. Tell us, what's at issue? Is a big mess when it comes to Eagle Hospitality Trust. And it really is, it really is a quite a painful story for investors stuck with um, their units. So in short, it is in this situation because mm. it had to default on some loans, delay some dividends, ran, ran into some trouble with some of its properties, especially a hotel that used to be a ship. So that was really a big mess because um, it's just sucking up a lot of money to be repaired. And there are just so many problems going on with um, this REIT and its sponsor. So what we have right now is after all those problems, they came up with a plan to liquidate the assets. But the US trustee, the office of US trustee, which is the bankruptcy watchdog in the US, has objected or at least raised objections to those liquidation plans. Um, This is because it's saying those plans are quite complex, convoluted and difficult to digest. So this is bearing in mind that you have Eagle Hospitality Trust with a lot of US assets. That's why they are involved. So this is just part of the um, narrative of how this is such a big mess and the plan itself also a big mess and they are saying it's too difficult for the retail investor, the moms and pops invested in this to figure out what it actually means, the consequences of doing this or that. So it's just very difficult difficult for retail investors to understand and they are just saying, hey, we want a more clearer and more clarifications around how this can be uh, executed. All right. We move from all that confusion to, you know, a, a game now. Up or down is the answer. Simple as that. A lot of clarity there. All right. Let's look at the retirement age here in Singapore. Going up or down? Oh, it can only go up, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all about you know, how most populations across the world are seeing, at least in the developed part of the world, is seeing their 
um, aging population problems start to emerge these days. And this means people have to work longer. It comes with you know, longer livelihoods and costs of living going up. So it is seeing Singapore raising its retirement age from mm. 62 to 63 come July the 1st next year. And the re-employment age to 70, you know, expected to reach that progressively. What is your strategy for when you're planning to retire? When's the age? When is the age? Yeah, what's the age you're aiming for? I think the secret is to find work that you enjoy. So every day is fun. Oh, really? I'd like to retire yesterday. I'd like to... (laughs) So how's your <laughs> made that investment portfolio going? Oh boy, yeah, we're still plugging away, chugging away. Let's look at Nike now. All right, Nike, that is going to be an up for me. Guess what? It is taking its first steps into the metaverse. So it's not just metaverse. Facebook. It's also Nike. They have filed several new trademarks mm. this week. You're going to need shoes in the metaverse. Huh? I guess so. Uh, around virtual Nike branded sneakers and apparel. So guess what? You could be dressed up in Nike. And it's not just Nike actually. Um, we've been hearing how Microsoft is trying to also mm. make up its own metaverse. So yeah. you can also use your PowerPoint and Excel sheets and everything you want or love for Microsoft in the metaverse. I mean, if the whole point is to create an avatar of yourself, why not create an avatar of yourself with no feet? Then you don't need to choose. Or three feet, or four feet, and you wear more shoes, different <laughs> shoes. You know, turn away from consumerism as a whole. All right, next up, uh, Pulp Fiction. Okay, Pulp Fiction is going to be an up for me, and that is around NFTs. So, film director Quentin Tarantino, you've watched a movie before, right? Love it. It's a classic, mm. and I guess he's trying to milk it, and he has come up with seven NFTs, and it will have what he calls secret content that has never been revealed before to anyone so if you own it you can watch it so I'm not sure it's going to be worth the price auctioning off these outtakes basically yeah it's like the director cuts the bloopers I'm not sure even what's inside so you have to buy it to see it oh wow let's turn to Singapore we are now 23 minutes into the local trading day and by the way we're talking about the metaverse uh, coming up in 35 minutes with an international lawyer he's on the who's who's list of of law in Singapore that's coming up at 10.05 let's turn to Singapore 23 minutes into the local trading day Jardine Matheson Holdings led the market higher yesterday the Straits Times Index finished up 0.4% at 32.32. How's the STI trading this morning? It is giving back some of those gains. It is down right now by 0.1%, 3,229. And let's check in on the STI. Pretty much split across the middle between green and red. And looking at where we are at the top, Venture Corporation is in the green by 0.8%, followed by Yang Zhijiang Shipbuilding and Fraser's and Jardin Matheson. And at the bottom, we've got Maple Tree Commercial Trust down by 1.8%, SGX 1.4% in the red, followed by Timebath, Maple Tree Logistics Trusts, and SATS. So let's look at the banks because um, they just released their earnings. So UOB, um, even though it beat expectations, is now down by 0.4%, trading at 27.29%. OCBC also down 0.4%, 11.91. You do have to bear in mind they had a rather strong run in the past few weeks. So maybe a bit of selling on the fact here. And DBS in the green though, they report their earnings on Friday. It's up 0.1% at 32.13. 
All right, thanks very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Coming up, we look at stable coins. You know, besides uh, an update that looks at the price of Bitcoin and Ether, are we soon going to be looking and monitoring stable coins? Are they coming to mainstream focus? And then we look at Facebook's metaverse. You know, is this a realm of infinite possibility or an, an, a very dynamic space continually unfolding? And that means a great deal for digital rights and the commoditization of these rights in the future. That's all coming up at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.